welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 125, and in this show, we chat with Derek James, regional open two-wheel drive winner from the New England Forest Rally. He's that other James that you may have seen around the service park, but didn't realize he was also quite the talented driver. So grab a cold one and join us for the, at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and well, there's not much to add to this one because I'm recording it literally the same day that I did our previous episode. I did chat, though, with a couple of rally people at a small gathering at Beermongers about a week or so ago, and one of those was Sam Albert. And I'm sure many of you have been keeping track of the progress of him adapting that Ferrari motor to go inside his Subaru. It is quite the project. The rule makers so far have given their blessing to let him go forward with it. Big challenge right now seems to be the uh, engine it just barely fits. It does fit, but barely and will require some rather creative cooling. So if you all remember the cooling system that was on the Beast BRZ that Nameless Performance built, I have a feeling this could be something that's going to look a bit like that. Uh, may have the cooling come from maybe a different, uh, you know, area slightly, you know, not the big ears on it maybe, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts it anyways, but it's going to have to have some sort of rear cooling as it looks like because there's no room for radiators up front. Uh, I still think it's just fantastic that here with our American rallying, we can have that creativity to do an engineering project and build something special and more props to that, right? You know, we, we don't want it to be outpacing everybody. We want to some, you know, find a way to keep that competitive, but we also want creativity and I think it's just really freaking cool. That said, I'm actually packing right now so I can get ready to head out to the Grand Prix of Portland IndyCar race and I'll be seeing some of my rally family out there. So it's always good to reconnect with those folks especially now that covid we can kind of say for the most part is kind of gone at least from the most serious parts of it hurting folks and uh so it's been nice to get out and see people again i hope you all have a fabulous labor day long weekend so without further ado here's derek james right after this message from our supporters go five right short over crest into second small crest 40 full f plus nips Hi, this is Alex and Rian Angelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email ozrallypro at gmail.com for further details. The start of this week's Rallycast, get a little nitro ball sound there. So, hey, hey, welcome to Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me is Derek James. Derek, how you doing, buddy? I am wonderful, Mike. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm going to be doing better once I get a sip of this. So, by the way, I am drinking, because I'm going to get right into that, a uh, chocolate stout nitro from Rogue Brewery. I was actually at the brewery headquarters in Newport because I was on a salmon fishing trip last week. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. How many fish did you get? I only got one. Well, oh, okay. there was several we had to throw back uh, because the native ones, there's the fin clipping that they do for all the ones that are hatchery. And then if the, it has the little, um, it's on the back of the fish. And yeah, if it's got that, then you can't keep it. And we had to toss them back. So yeah, mm. would have had more. I I have here. So I'm I'm actually, I'm, I'm working right now. I'm in Indy doing some stuff with Aero Motorsport, uh, working on in their historic program they don't just do rally car and and lmp2 but 
while at the grocery store the other day, I seen a very cheap bottle. It is a Syrah from South Africa. It's called Jam Jar. It was $8. I've had it before, and it's uh, it's a good go-to when you don't want to spend, like, any money and, and would like a glass of overly sweet cheap wine. So <laughs> I like a mild wine. Uh, overly sweet, not for me, but I do like this. some of the mild stuff out there. It's a good just drinking conversation wines. That's what I call it. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's, I'm all over the place with my with my wine preferences. I don't really have anything I steer away from or steer to. Well, you're still building your palate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're still a youngin. I'm so still a young buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but for such a young guy, you've accomplished quite a bit already strangely, this is your first time on the Rallycast. I think, you know, I've talked to you so many times, it's hilarious that this is their first time officially on the Rallycast. Yeah. I think we've called and talked, like, on air or done a recording for, like, results or something, just a quick little thing, but not you officially being, you know, let's let's talk about the Derek James. The, the, there's not much to talk about. Pretty bland person. Um, oh, come on. So, <laughs> you know, for those that don't know, you're the better looking of two brothers in rallying. By far. And I want to know what it's like for your brother to have to live in your shadow. <laughs> no, I wish that was the case. <laughs> if you didn't see. So the Dirtfish article about Travis's turbo problems, which I want to start off with saying. I legit did nothing. Ree came up to the car and was like, you're a mechanic. They said to unhook the oil to the turbo. And I said, okay. So I went up, took me like 15 seconds. Subaru is very, very smart in having a dry break in line, not to give away their secrets, but they have a dry break in the oil line to the turbo. So I unhooked that and walked away. It was, it was very simple. But the article came back and said, Leah blocks co-driver's brother. Derek James and I was like, "Come on!" I'm like, "How oh, how long is this gonna happen?" Really? You know. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, you know, I did meet your brother first before I met you, but still, that that was because he was coming out west. So yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's kind of how it all started. But but the thing is, I know you from you've got such a, a strong background as a mechanic, in addition to your driving prowess now. Instead of just sitting in the right seat, I say just. Yeah. Obviously, we know co-drivers have a hell of a job to do. But Oh, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you build rally cars. You race rally cars. You've been a mechanic in IndyCar. Of, that's how I got to see you out here in the Pacific Northwest. You're hanging out with a Carlin Racing in an Indy race. And, you know, now you're doing stuff with Era Motorsports. You've got quite the skill set. How did that all start, though? I mean, how does... How does Derek James suddenly think, I'm going to become a race mechanic and build things and then fly cars through the woods? I mean, naturally, I guess, growing up as a kid, me and my brother have always been into into racing growing up, uh, doing like dirt go-karts and stuff, both of us growing up. And there was always watching every bit of racing and uh, video games and all of that. And then STPR. Was there a racing culture in your family? I wouldn't say like culture going back far. Like my dad was always into racing and, you know, mechanical stuff and cars and competing and, and stuff, but nothing, nothing extreme, just dirt go-karts. And we did some tractor pulling, like the little garden tractor pulling stuff here and there. And, but it was something that I, I always knew that I wanted to do, even from a very early age, if you could strap an engine onto a a chicken and race them, I, I, I think I'd probably be interested in trying it. So naturally, I always wanted to do it. And then 
I went to college for it. I have a degree from Alfred State College in motorsports, which wasn't far from me. I was able to, able to commute and, and go there. So they actually have a motorsports program? Yeah, they have a they have a motorsports program right there at Alfred. That's cool. Which it, it's a very motorsports is such a such a broad subject. So anybody looking to go into motorsports, honestly, it has to be a lot of self-study in what you want to do mm-hmm. because Obviously, the the professors are great, and the professors I had were great, but they can't cover everything about drag racing, and then everything about NASCAR, and then everything about rally racing, right. and then everything about dirt bikes. And they have to be kind of generalists, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 science doesn't change. You know, they can teach you the science of stuff and how to build cars, and and the idea behind stuff, and the theory behind stuff. So. You can get your basis, but like I said, a lot of it has to be self-study. Yeah. I think that's true in a, in a lot of professions. Someday but. you'll have to teach me how like the complex IndyCar suspension works with their inerters and stuff, because that's like the stuff of wizardry. But someday we'll get there. <laughs> I don't even know about all of that. <laughs> Guys get paid millions probably to come up with that crap, but, but still. They do. But yeah, so you know, you're at Alfred State, you're learning this uh, motorsports program, and you you actually been you stay involved with that school right since then you've actually had them help you with some of the guys come out and service and stuff right yeah absolutely i'm good friends with both the motorsports professors bringing the students out to get real life experience there's a difference between tinkering on a car in you know the the motorsports building versus okay we're at a rally we have 30 minutes before this car needs to go out and everything has to be fixed, or at least as much as we can get done needs to be fixed. And that's something that you can't recreate in a classroom. Right. You can. You you can set a timer, but there's no sweat involved just because of the timer. You know, when it's real life and you're actually on a team. It's, right. It's also in like this pristine facility. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, now, <laughs> now, and I have, I actually have pictures of, of some of the students that a muddy STPR and the guy's wearing a trash bag because he had to go under the car and, you know, pull the skid off. You can't recreate that in a, in a classroom, you know? Like, no, no. They, they love every bit of it, and I, I love being a part of Alfred. And I, I shouldn't say being a part of Alfred, but I, I love dealing with Alfred and, and having the students. And I haven't done as much with them lately as I'd like just because I've been so busy. But, yeah, Alfred, Alfred State, really, uh, really great program and can't speak high, highly enough of them. So after you graduated from them, where'd you first go? I started Rally before I got into – like the motorsports program. I had a car before that, two cars before that. Really? Yeah. So my, my first car was an old Mazda 323. I never even raced it. I just had it and tinkered on it and this and that. And then it was kind of clear to me that that car was never going to see a stage, at least with me behind the wheel, just needed too much at my experience level. And really back then I, I really didn't know much. And I'm still learning every single day. I, I learn so much every single day. And I get to work with really great mechanics and, and engineers and stuff. Uh, every bit of work that I do. But back then, I didn't I didn't know a ton. So I had to get a car that was more prepped. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to get a, a Ford Focus that was more prepped. I mean, still nothing crazy. Still an older car. Still needed a lot of work. But I was able to take that to a couple of, of events and didn't do well. You know, it just learning stuff was breaking and all of that. I mean, the the introduction to rally and uh, I had never even worked with a team at that point. I, I'd only volunteered a little bit, but I just knew I wanted to do it. So 
pulled the trigger. Was it STPR, which was closest to where you lived? That was the first event you actually just went to just to, to volunteer and, and see what was going on with rallying or what? Yeah, well, growing up, me and my brother and my dad went to STPR every single year. Oh, cool. Every single year. Like, I, I actually had to miss STPR because of work in, I think, 19. And it was the first year I had ever missed it. And I probably, when I was, like, a newborn... They didn't take me, but but other than that, yeah, it was uh, and it was really sad to miss. So, what's the first one you can actually remember? What year? Oh man, I don't even know. I I remember my brother getting hit with a rock when I was like four or something. But I I honestly, it's so hard to remember back that far, you know. And it's still kind of Ryan Ryan that works uh, with Melee Media. If you know Ryan, I'm sure you know Ryan. Ryan Lund. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Lund. So he actually asked me because he also works with with air a bit and we were sharing a room and he asked me, so what's your favorite rally car? And growing up as a kid, the Subarus were just starting to come into rally. And my first love of rally was the noise of a Subaru coming through the woods. So like every time I even hear a car, like a Subaru on the street go by and like, I hear the Subaru rumble. It just, it brings me back to being a child. You know, it's yeah. it's crazy. Well, it sounded different, right? If you were used to, you know, the sound of these other cars that were somewhat similar. I mean, not all of them sound alike, but yeah. but but in general, an inline four-cylinder yeah. is nothing like horizontally opposed. Oh, no, nothing, nothing, yeah. It, 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 and that's the thing with, with growing up and going to STPR, every year was something that, okay, STPR is over, and now we're looking forward to next year type of thing. It's like Christmas. Christmas is over. I wonder what I'm getting for Christmas next year type of thing. And that Subaru rumble and, and everything and just the whole atmosphere of going to the rally was, uh, I mean, how could you not fall in love? Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite stage that you remember from those days of before you started competing in it? SDPR has the Ace of Spectator Point, which is a great, yeah. a great spot. That's the closest to my house. That's just up over the hill from me. So we always went there. And then uh, the 12 mile Spectator Point, mm-hmm. which is on the Lebo stage. I remember always going up to that. And there's a couple different spots there that you can watch from. So the Ace of one, that's the one where you can be up on the ridge and it goes kind of past the park, right? Yeah. So like you, you come into it, depends on which direction they run. Right. But there's like a not a full hairpin, but like in about a 90 right or left, whichever direction. There's a little park right there. There's a little stream. You go across a bridge. I've actually even like fished that stream. That's how close it is to me. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great little spot. Me and my brother even hiked that stage once. I, I've been, there's a lot of great hiking trails and stuff up in the ASIF. And I, I, I don't want to say hike quite a bit. I'm busy with work all the time, but I, I enjoy getting out into nature when I can. And that whole area is, is just wonderful up in the ASIF. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looked proper from a Northwest guy that does hiking out here. It, it definitely looked like a, a pretty good area to go and enjoy the, the outdoors for sure. Anyway, they, iconic stage. I definitely know that one well from uh, doing uh, different media stuff over the years and uh, definitely one that, that I think would make you want to remember it for sure. Yeah. So yeah. from there, you know, you, you, you had the, the second car that you got to compete a little bit and was uh, STPR one of those then? STPR was one of those. Did not go as planned at all. Like I said, I, I didn't have a great knowledge base when it came to the mechanical side of things yet. So the car just wasn't prepped properly. And that's completely on me. So I showed up to the event and uh, we actually had a brake line rub through. And I found it while getting into the car, getting ready to start a stage. I got on the brakes and the pedal went right to the floor. Oops. So I started the stage with 
no brakes. And luckily the car was not prepped to the level that I would have it prepped at now. So it still had the handbrake on a wire. It was an old SCCA production car. So the handbrake was still wired. So I did lose that. It was still cable. Yeah. Yeah. So you could still brake ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, kind of, (laughs) (laughs) but but I, I was able to somewhat slow the car with that. We still did end up hitting a tree on the stage because, well, when you put a helmet on, suddenly you you get stupid. Yeah, that never happens. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> never, about. never. Yep, never done that. Yeah, so that was my first STPR, and it was a horrible one. It was so bad. It, unfortunately, I, I couldn't continue in the rally after that. I just didn't have the parts. I didn't have the money to fix it. So I lost a a braided brake line, which at the time was catastrophic for me mm-hmm. did maybe some of that though make you want to go down that mechanics route of like you know i really wanted to work on these things <laughs> yeah well i it, i was already in college at the time so i was starting into that i just wasn't fully there yet gotcha so then my my next year in college after that was in the actual motorsports building so the first year at alfred state for the motorsports program um you do regular automotive stuff and just kind of get the basics of this is how brakes work. This is how a damper works. This is, you know, engines and transmissions. And then you go into to more motorsport stuff. I started off my year in motorsports and I found a wrecked Ford Fiesta. And at the time I was dailying a Ford Fiesta and I said, well, I'm here. I have the opportunity to cage a car and build a car while I'm in class. So I, I might as well. Why not? You know? So you're actually able to use the class as an opportunity to build a car? Yeah. Yeah, I well, and and you're supposed to have a project vehicle when you start there. So I made my project vehicle a race car that I would race for years after. That's brilliant. And I honestly, I didn't know much about building cars then. So the car is, it's very strong, a bit heavy. And now it's ran by Becca GT. Mm-hmm. If you've seen her on, on social media and, and at events and Great, great person. Great person. Did you name the car? I did not name the car. She named the car. Okay. I was just trying to remember if it had a name or not. It it did not. It did not go by Fred when I had it. You slung that car around pretty good, though. Like you said, you built it strong. It may be a little heavy, but you definitely built it to withstand quite a bit. Yeah, it was a very strong car, but it just wasn't fast. It was 100% stock engine, 100% stock gearbox. It had the Bilstein, like the... The M Sport R1 damper, so like very basic rally suspension, non-adjustable, just mm-hmm. something that would last. And brake pads. That was it. And then your next car was the Mazda 2? Oh, I don't want to talk about the Mazda. Ugh, I hated that car so much. It was so slow. You were excited to build it at first. I was excited to, I was excited to build it at first because I was like, oh, this would be lighter than the Fiesta. And then I realized that oh man, this actually has a lot less power. I feel like, and I'm I'm a big guy, Mike. I'm a very big guy. And I think I could have ran faster than that Mazda. <laughs> I, uh, I only did one event with it. And I one of my crew members said that it was going to take me to family court because I abused it so much, just trying to get every little <laughs> bit out of it. The only time I'd ever clutch kick a car for two reasons. One, to get up to speed. And two, because I was mad at it. So I, uh, <laughs> then I sold that and I had the opportunity come along, not after I ran that race in the Mazda to get into something way better, 
way, way better. And that's what I'm running uh, now. Quite the opportunity and quite the difference, for sure. Oh, it's night and day. Night and day. I never realized how quick the R2 actually is until I got my car now, which is uh, it's an old M Sport R2. It's it's crazy. It's it really is crazy. And and I, I know there's even faster cars out there, but for now, I'm just trying to hold on to this thing. Well, 2013 R2, is that what it is, 2013? It's a bit earlier than that. Okay. It was actually built in 2011. Oh, wow, that was, that was right. yeah. early generation. Yeah. And I think it actually goes back a bit more to 2010. It was like chassis number nine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an old one. It did some junior WRC stuff. And... That was... Because I was thinking, like, this sounds like uh, WRC Academy era. It was, yep. 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 Okay. The car has seen some shit. <laughs> I'll tell you, it really has. Yeah. The car has been through quite a bit. But, I mean, it's all designed to be replaceable. and I mean, as long as you haven't, you know, destroyed the shell. Yeah, yeah. You, yep. There's nothing that can't be replaced, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, and the shell has seen some damage, but they, they have fixed it properly. So, it's, uh, I guess it's still... <laughs> still going strong so break it down so you know you were doing limited two-wheel drive now you're doing r2 fiesta and so you've got obviously a purpose-built race motor right yeah a lot more power than a regular fiesta still a naturally aspirated 1.6 but this 1.6 now breathes fire to where the first one was more like a, a marshmallow breather um <laughs> but uh right and then sequential gearbox now sequential gearbox proper brake yeah brakes that are yeah whole... proper adjustable dampers yeah. and that this is full riger stuff right yeah yep now it's not the same rigers that come on the current r2s and the newer r2s okay so like in the back it's only one way adjustable with rebound and it's only two way adjustable in the front to where the new ones have a lot more adjustment only right how, how many hours of seat time do you need just to figure out how to adjust the ones you currently I don't have enough. Right. Honestly, all all I have ever messed with on it, suspension wise, is just the the rebound in the back. Yeah. And that has really helped settle the car and some of the high speed stuff. For the the back will start to kind of bounce around a bit. Mm-hmm. At Bristol in New England, we we've seen that stiffen up the rebound, and it has really settled the rear of the car. And, and thanks to Kenny Hanlon, Hanlon Motorsport, I worked with him with with Paul Rowley when I did some stuff for Paul. A quick call to Kenny at service is always a good thing to to figure out some suspension adjustments. And yeah, Kenny's Kenny's been a godsend. And I know we've been kind of skipping around all this stuff, but I guess I'm kind of just that crazy that way. Sorry, I know I'm rambling a bit. Oh, dude, I yeah, I'm I'm all about that. So you got this R2 car, but you know, kind of back to what you've been doing though. I mean, during this process of going from car to car and all that stuff, you've been not just as part of the, you know the racing and rallying, but your crew mechanic for Paul rallies, you're saying yep. been on other teams as well. You've traveled the country doing some of that stuff. Uh, explain that just a little bit. It's all just kind of networking. People always ask me like, Oh, like how do you get into this? How do you, you know, how do you start working with them? You just have to say hi to people, you know, don't be a dick and be nice and make relationships. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you well, go. I like it. Send, <laughs> that's exactly it. Send out that message. Don't be shy. You know, there, there are people as well. Just, Say, hey, this is what I do. If you need help, let me know. You might get a call. You might not. I've been lucky enough to to get some calls back, and I've had some fun. You know, I've traveled a lot and learned a lot and 
Yeah. And that's what's gotten you this opportunity now to get this car. Yeah. You know, obviously yep. still doing stuff as a racing mechanic and all that and get to uh, play around with this machine. Now, this Bristol this year was your first event this year, right? Yeah. Bristol was my first event uh, with the new car. With the new car. First event with the new co-driver, which KJ is KJ's amazing. I, I don't even know how to how to talk about KJ without sounding creepy because he does look like a child. You know what? He's on the podcast just before this one. I know. He so told me. Yeah, you can just, say what you want. Just before New England. No, KJ KJ's really, really good calling notes and, and just the whole weekend. He comes prepared for everything. He has a plan for everything. And then all the video review. He's a, a media guy as well as doing co-driving he has three gopros going at all times and he changes all the batteries i don't know how he finds the time for it i'm thinking he sleeps like two hours a night something like that i <laughs> i don't know but uh he's he's great and, and the level that i can push with having kj in the car is i mean you, you've seen it at new england it's great it's great i uh i, I wish i could have kj co-drive forever well, the kid's definitely on the up and up and uh, getting to be in demand. So He really is, yeah. I'm not sure if I talked to anybody about Bristol uh, on the podcast from, from earlier this year. That's some roads that I've heard are just fantastic over there. Yeah. Well, I talked to KJ about it because he was on before you. But. Yep, yep. Uh, Bristol, yeah, Bristol's great. Uh, great organizers, great roads, great facilities because they have the Bristol Motor Speedway right there. So the service area and everything is really nice. There's a lot of infrastructure in the area for hotels and, you know, food and, and just every, everything you could need, which is also nice to have a rally because normally rallies are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Bristol uh, Bristol's a great rally. I don't think it's – I don't know. I'm not an organizer, but I, I don't think it's long before Bristol's going to be knocking on the door to be a national event, mm -hmm. which it should be with those roads and – and the infrastructure and the organizers that, that really do work hard to put on a great event. And, and if you get, you know, good volunteers and, you know, good support from the community, I mean, that's the biggest thing. If you can get the roads and the community support for it, yeah. that yep. is like nine-tenths of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and a good service area. Yep. Because that's what we, it, most of us struggle with, yeah. you know. It's so hard to get permits. It's even getting hard to just redo the permits that you've had for years let alone try and find a new road yeah. because it just takes one person. I've said it probably too many times on the podcast. But... Yeah, well, SDPR, unfortunately, has, has seen that. Yeah, but talking about New England then. So let's get into it. Let's talk about New England oh, Forest right. Rally. All let's right. talk about New England Forest Rally. Exactly. So you've competed there before? I have. I've done it okay. twice in the Fiesta. Okay. The, the old Fiesta, the old the right. slow Fiesta. Yes. Um, so I've done it twice in that. I only finished it once, but obviously with that car, we just didn't have the pace that that I wish we could have. Yeah. So going into this year, you know, what was it like, you know, going out and doing recce, the roads, I think are similar to what we've seen in years past. You've got that newer, was it beaver or something? Beaver pond. That's, I think that yeah. newer loop that was done last year. And then it was also again this year. Yep. So similar to last year, if I, if I recall. Yep. Well, to back up a little bit further, I wasn't even going to do New England. Financially, I, I just, I didn't think I could make it after Ohio. I work every, every, bit that i get from work goes right into rally and after ohio we were at the awards and i was talking to one of my crew guys and i said oh, i gotta go i gotta go up and tell kj that we're not running new england i said i haven't told him yet and i'm upset because kj really wanted to run new england and uh, i walked up to kj after after the awards and i said hey man he goes dude i'm so excited to run new england and i look at him i was like dude me too 
And next thing I know, I'm back to work to try to get You're like, I lied through my teeth, and now i got to figure out how to make this happen. Yep. Yep. I, I couldn't let him down. I could not let him oh, down. That's so, beautiful. Uh, yeah. So I worked every bit that I could, and uh, we made it to New England, barely. On the way there, the tow rig, which is my, my father's truck, luckily... He's generous enough to let me use his truck to haul the trailer and everything. And that decided to, I don't even know what issues it was having. It was having transmission issues and turbo issues. Oh, no. uh, DPF issues and just everything. And we just made it to Sunday River with the truck. And we were climbing hills at five miles an hour. We were late for recce. I even had KJ meet me at the bottom of the hill of Sunday River because I knew it would take 20 minutes to climb the hill to Sunday River in the truck um, so we could take it's off. It's not the that steep, to be honest, you know, as far as mountains Oh, go. no, it's definitely not that steep. No. The truck just had nothing. Wow. Zero boost. The transmission was on its last leg. Everything was, was falling apart, which honestly, the whole thing has to do with the curse of the white recce vehicle, which is a story all in itself. Yes. I, I bought, there's even more to this. Months ago, I bought a white Ford Fiesta to use as wrecking. <sighs> ten miles after, yeah, ten miles after buying it, the engine blows. <laughs> so me and uh, a friend back home have put a new engine in it. And then I was driving it the day before I was leaving for the event to make sure everything was good. Everything just got done in the engine. And then it started, it's the one liter Fiesta. And it started showing like low boost codes and all of this stuff and just stuff that I didn't have time to, to trace down. So I was like, all right, well, I'll have to use the truck for recce. And then the truck breaks down. The truck is also white. So do not buy a white recce vehicle. We didn't even use the truck for recce. We just said we were going to use the truck for recce and it broke down. So there's, there's something going on there with a white recce vehicle. Yeah. Unless you're the Subaru team with their cars. <laughs> yeah. That's the only exception. Yep. Wow. Yep. Thankfully, I have a, a crew member that is new this year, Skyler Starin. He's going to be competing at some point as well. And Skyler has been huge. Every step of the way, Skyler has been right there. So far, I've used his Subaru Crosstrek for recce three times. I, I can't speak highly enough of Skyler for, for everything. So you finally get there to <laughs> in Sunday River. Finally get there. <laughs> we go to do recce on Concord Pond. That was the first stage uh, that KJ had. Oh, recce. you're already going to get blasted because you didn't say Concord. You said Concord. Oh, Concord. Concord. There you I'm go. So sorry. I was corrected much myself. I, so. I feel like the people from Maine can't fight. If we're if we're being honest, Mike, they can't fight. <laughs> they can get mad, but they there's no way they can fight. So Concord Pond, I'll say it right, because maybe one of them can. And... Uh, <laughs> Even recce on that stage is fun. Oh, God. Uh, I, I've done just a media recce on it, and it is a blast. It is the... I, I wish it was longer, because it's just a roller coaster. It is so fun. It's wide, it's smooth, yep. crest dips, all of it. Oh, it is it is crack. <laughs> you, you, you do that stage, and you're like, bring it all, man. Well, it kind of <laughs> sucks, because it's like... So you, you run Concord Pond two times. Yep. It's stage one and stage two at New England Forest Rally. And it's like starting dinner with dessert. It really is. And then you have to move on to the, you know, the, the mashed potatoes and the green beans. And and, and there, there's some steak there with uh, the Endostern event. You know, there's some other really great sections at New England. But but Concord Pond is just, it's it's breathtaking. You almost can't breathe 
while you're on the stage. I always, uh, I, I joked with Paul last year and I told him before the rally, um, cause I was up there crewing for him. I said, Conquer Pond only has three braking zones. That's all I ever had. And the old car was, I, I only had to get on the brakes three times the entire stage cause the car was so slow. And I never told KJ about this. And I, it, it was a, it was a, you know, a standing joke with Paul and I, and we get to the end of the stage and KJ gets out and he's, he's doing tires and KJ's like, dude, the brakes are cold. I think we only hit the brakes like three times. <laughs> so I had to videotape it and send it to Paul. Cause uh, I guess, I guess that actually stands up our three braking zones. Even in the R2. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had more than three, but very little braking, obviously on Conquer Pond. It's just flat out. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, we've had where the, the top cars are hitting the, the speed limit that they have for, you know, ARA's rules for average speed for a stage. They just hit that and there wouldn't be anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just honestly thinking about Concord Pond right now and we ran it the first time there was a regroup and I forget exactly what we ran, but it was like a, a 48 or something. And, and I told KJ, I said, uh, four minutes, 48.4 seconds. Four minutes and 48.4, and I said... So you're you're bested by Seamus, of course. Oh, Cooper, absolutely, Seamus. Alex Kuklov in the BMW, Anthony Burden, and Eric Potts. That's who's in front of you. And the thing is, is it, it, it was still pretty close, except to, you know, Seamus. <laughs> he was just, yeah out to lunch in a whole other planet, whatever. Seamus, Seamus Burke is, I, he's, he's an animal. Yep. I, I can only wish that I was, I was half as fast as him at his, as, at his, at his young age. Right. You know, I, I hope I can, I can keep up with, uh, with that. I don't know how he does it, but I told KJ, I said, we, we ran that 48 and I said, 47s in, in the weeds. We're not going to get any more out of the car than what we just did. Hmm. And then we took five seconds off on the second run. <laughs> and it, out of the two-wheel drives, you're now fourth fastest. So you went from being sixth fastest to fourth fastest on that second run. Yeah, it was. It, we just uh, we learned a lot on on the first running of it, and I think a bit of it. So on the first run, the start of the stage was very loose, and it wasn't as bad on the second run. I think some got swept off, obviously, um, when you have that many cars going over it. So, uh, yeah, have, having all that, you know, more grip and stuff can definitely shave off five seconds. But at this point, I didn't really, like, I knew what time we ran, but I didn't know, like, where we ran, if, if you know what I mean, like, like where we were compared to other people. And I had people, like, talk to me at the regroup, and they were like, oh, wow, you really had a good run. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. We're having fun, you know. We're we're getting used to the car again and everything, and still still learning everything. And then I realized how fast we actually ran the stage in, and I kind of felt like an asshole with some of my replies because I I guess I was very nonchalant about our time when we ran pretty quick. Did you make any adjustments? You know, you're talking about uh, you know learning the car a bit, and you know all the adjustments on the suspension and stuff. Did you make a change before that second run? No, there there was no changes. I guess just more confidence, you know, mm-hmm. which which is a, a huge adjustment. Tightening the nut behind the wheel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a pretty loose nut behind the wheel. If I can speak for a second on how fast Anthony Burden is in that, if I'm saying his name correct, in that Volkswagen. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, because I'm like I'm looking like that's a '92 Jetta. If that man <laughs> ever gets, and I'm sure he will, if he ever gets into a legit car. 
there is a contender. He's an absolute wheel man. He's so fast in that car. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. He bent stuff on on the first running at Concord Pond. Just that's how much he was pushing the car. Wow. Yeah, he's 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 lightning in that car. I was I was blown away. Yeah, I mean I, I kept looking it's like maybe that's a typo saying Volkswagen Jetta. Are you sure it's some, not something else? <laughs> no, <laughs> because, no. Yeah, he, that's uh, impressive. That's all driver. It's the fastest Jetta I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, so so moving on from there there was Concord Pond and then uh which I'm I'm down to saying that right. But uh so we moved on from Concord Pond and we had three more stages to round out the day, which I knew we couldn't keep that pace up. The, our, our pace on Conquer Pond, it's a, it's a shorter stage. You can kind of remember yeah. it. Well, it's super smooth. Yeah. You don't have the giant stones you have to dodge that are coming out of the ground, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's no, usually almost no dust on it, too, because there's something about that, that soil that's on that. It's not like the other stages. It's just kind of a sandy but hard and it's funny, you get up closer, it's almost like cl- crushed shells or something. I don't know, it's this really interesting-looking packed surface. And, it, yeah, Concord Pond just is like none of the other stages there. I guess I've never really, really paid that close attention to it. But um, now that you do say that, yeah, the dust is very minimal compared to the other stages at New England. Especially the, a couple of them are, are very bad, which we were fortunate enough to get some rain the day before. Um, so I think that really did help on the, the Friday stages. But we moved on to the next three stages, that Beaver Pond stage. I knew I wasn't going to have a, a good time on that stage. Even going into it, I, I told KJ, I said, I just, I hate this stage. I, I, I don't know what it is about that stage. Very little confidence going into it. Just kind of a, uh, I think I had a gut feeling that if I really pushed, something bad was going to happen that stage. So I didn't push. I just drove through the stage, and um, we ended up losing quite a bit of time. I believe if if you had the results right in front of you, I think Key and McCormick won that stage, correct, for two-wheel drive? For two-wheel drive on the Beaver Pond, yes. Yeah, Kean, Kean's a, a great driver, um, and he really does wheel that R2 that he's in. And a, a, a great guy as well. And he even bested Seamus. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Kean, Kean really, um, when, when he wants to turn it on, he can... He can turn it on and, and run, you know, top two-wheel drive stage times. But there was the, the Beaver Pond, and then we went back into Icicle Brook, which Icicle Brook is the longest. Which is the reverse of South Arm, but it's got that extra extension on it, right? It's Yeah, it's it, they, they add all the all the mustard. You, you go up around, and it's just all garbage. I, South Arm is, is quite a smooth stage, actually. There's some rocks here and there, but... Um, it's wide, it's fast. And then when they, when they do icicle brook and they run it back, it's just, there's, it's narrow. It's a lot rougher. Mm-hmm. A lot more rocks get pulled out. And and you go up kind of a, as it comes around, you know, you make that kind of that left turn off that straight, right? That, that normally if it's South arm reverse, it would be just, you just go on straight. Instead you'd make this left 90 left yep. and then you start kind of climbing this ridge the well hillside i should say and it gets just it, it's so less traveled that there's like grass growing up in the middle of the road versus there, other parts there right? is yeah it's so it's a one car road it's more of a trail than a than a road yeah but still still nonetheless it's very fast if you can commit to the notes through that section of icicle brook it's very fast and and as seamus showed that um, Seamus has years of notes to build off him and Martin. 
I think Seamus beat me by over a minute on that stage, which is crazy. Again, Seamus is is an animal. (laughs) Yeah, well, he beat almost everybody by a minute on that stage. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're not the only one. Now, Icicle Brook also has, if I remember right, as you come closer to the end where it rejoins what was the reverse of South Arm, it has a nasty compression. Is that still there? A nasty compression. Yeah, basically where it just kind of falls out from underneath you and then just goes up a little bit, like a little kick. Oh, yeah, yeah, the kick. Yeah, and that can definitely catch people off guard. I remember wrecking that and being like, that's sketch if you're going flat out. Yeah, that has been shaved down a bit. Okay. I forget which photographer. I feel so bad when I when I forget which photographer takes what photos because they are out there, you know, they're all doing a great job. They hike way up in the woods. They stand there in the heat and the dust and the bugs to get pictures of us. So I, I feel bad when I when I forget who gets what shot. But there's a photographer that actually got a, a picture of, of us coming over that. And now instead of a – it's still a kick, but – but you can really hold a lot more speed over it okay, and actually get some air safely than in years prior. But yeah, that's definitely taken some cars out in years prior. But for the most part, you didn't have too much attrition, I think, the end of day one, right? Um, not that I can remember, no. We, I think we were 36 on the road in day one, and I don't remember. I remember a couple cars off. Um, unfortunately, Kian went off on that stage. And uh, a couple others, all in that icicle brook. Yeah, I think Hooper. Yeah, I yeah. think Hooper had an issue on that one too. Hooper had issues after Beaver Pond. Oh, gotcha. I remember seeing him when we were, yeah, when we were coming so out. Just before um, they got to icicle. Gotcha. Yeah, just before that. Which, again, very unfortunate. Michael Hooper is as as good of a guy as he is as a driver. He's he's a crazy driver. Which something, and I, I think I've talked to you about this before, Mike, because we've. I normally call you when I'm on road trips, but Hooper is so excited when his competition does well. Yeah. And I've never seen that with other competitors. I remember him talking about Seamus Burke, Hunter Acre Wood one year when I was there crewing for someone. I was I was talking to him in service. He was talking about Seamus Burke and uh, that Andre Durazio, I think I'm saying his name correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. The and Andre. He, was, he was genuinely happy that they were both beating him and that they were going fast he was genuinely like proud of them and like talking highly of their driving which most people would be mad oh they're beating me you know like i'd like to see andre come back um, i would uh, yeah for how young yeah, that he would is be great. and the just natural talent that he's got yeah yeah absolutely you know if if, if there was money in rallying he'd be making something oh oh absolutely absolutely there's there's no money in rallying for a couple people but right, yeah, not a lot. Very rare, very rare. <laughs> for ninety-eight percent of us, there's no money in rallying. So, get to the first loop. Are you are you watching your times at all throughout this stuff? I'm KJ. I'm sure is keeping track of things. But... Yeah, K, KJ's keeping track. I'm. I know we're doing well, like, but I don't know how well. Are you feeling comfortable at this point? I mean, because you've already been seeing some of the baby head stuff coming up, and in some cases, having to drive over stuff with the new car. That's from what I've heard, Bristol is pretty smooth. It's lots of twists and tight stuff, but it doesn't have big, chunky rocks. Here you've got big stuff you're going to be going over, and you've got this new car. And for the first time, kind of having to feel what it's going to react on those things, right? Yeah, I mean, Bristol did actually have uh, a couple rough bits, nothing crazy. I'll tell you, I've never been one 
to see a huge issue with the baby heads at New England. There is only a couple that you actually have to change your driving line for. Okay. Most of them you can kind of straddle them and just continue on. Or even I mean, you can hit them with a tire and and it doesn't upset the car that much, even okay. even in the high-speed stuff. I know a lot of them seem like they're, how would I say, they're not jagged, right? They're, they're usually, the ones that are coming out of the road anyways, they've been driven over so many times, they're kind of rounded. And yeah, exactly. They don't seem like they would be super harmful to a car that has enough ride height anyway. I think the big challenge there is the cars that aren't lifted up enough or they don't get their tire over it and they do straddle it and hit their yep. you know oil pan or something. Yeah, yeah, New England's a rally where the the thickest of the skid plates survive. And it, but but the baby heads aren't an issue. What's an issue in New England is the rocks being pulled out by the faster cars and, and the, the cars with more power. Right. And I I've seen And those that are cu- being brought in from the edge usually, right? Yeah, normally or uh, or just I mean when you're I think I said we were 36 on the road or 34th on the road or something. And when you get that many cars going over the road before you, it gets so rutted and, and dug down that rocks actually get brought up from the road. That's true. Yeah. And that, that was an issue a couple times where we'd be mid corner. You set up for the corner, you're committed to the corner. And next thing you know, right in the line, there's a rock. You either hit the rock with your tire, you try and straddle it, you know, and, and hit it with the skid plate. And you have about half a second to decide what to do. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes not even that. So, or, or sometimes you just kind of forget about the rock and we'll worry about that later. You know, st- stick with the line and, and uh, just commit to the corner. So end of day one, you see where you're at, where they recede you for day two then? 16th on the road. <laughs> you're literally halved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I think we were 13th overall. But they, they see this at 16th on the road, which is great. That's the furthest I've ever been up the road. And mm-hmm. still, I mean, you, you, you have a lot of cars in front of you, but definitely not as much as, as 36 on the road. So, yeah, it was it was great being up there with, with those guys and getting new people to talk to. So Yeah, yeah, it is, I guess it is a different group. It's, it's a that's the thing is, you know, group. everything's based on time. And if you're in that back group, I mean, that's just when you get into ATC, that's going to be the people around you. And yep. the other the top guys are already leaving at the point. They're starting the stage, right? And so yeah. you're yep. hanging out with those guys in the back. And next thing you know, you're hanging out with the midfield. And now you're hanging out with the front of the field. <laughs> yep, yep. It's good. You know, throughout the entire field, because I've, I've sat throughout all of it at this point, and everybody's just as crazy. There's just different budgets. Right. You know, it's all the same kind of people. To do this sport, you, you have to be a little stupid. Um, just uh, some people have more money and, and more commitment. Stupid money for being a little stupid. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely stupidity involved. Why else would we do it? Definitely. So Saturday, the final day. Obviously, the the big topic was dust. Now, that, especially the last stage. Tell me the what it was like going around. Uh, again, I'm going to butcher it, but when you're based out of Arrow there and you're going around Azacohos or, or however you say the the lake's name, but there's several. AJ, I didn't right, even... There's several stages that go around that. Yep. And the same loop kind of we've done for years. Yep. So, what was it like as far as dust for those stages versus what you had to deal with the day before? Really, honestly, not that bad. Where we got into the dust was towards the end of day two okay at the start at the start of day two yeah you'd get dust here and there but it wasn't that bad and also kj and i didn't even try to pronounce that stage we just called it the asphalt stage (laughs) 
which is that's really that's really gonna piss off some locals up there. But uh, if if Concord doesn't do it, calling that asshole is really gonna do it. But uh, yeah, no, the, the the dust really wasn't bad until towards the end of the day, at least for us. I'm sure other cars had uh, other other issues. We thought that we had a hole in the floor because of how much dust was coming into the car. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a hole in the floor. It was just coming into the car through just every other small orifice in the, the roof vents. And yeah. yeah, so so the dust was a, a problem, but, but not visibility until the last couple stages there. Okay, so I'm guessing what it was is what wind there was died down to about zero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that had that had to have been it, and and later on in the day there, I, I think that was brought up to people was yeah, now there's no wind, so and and you could really see it when a car would take off, their dust would just hang there. It was like it was like they were sitting there spinning their tires in the corner ahead of you, and uh, for a while there, we were behind Eric Potts in his rear wheel drive BRZ. So so the dust was definitely a problem there behind him when there was no wind. I mean, that's the nature of it. And you're only separated by one minute intervals where you're running. Yeah. Yep. Except for the last stage, they did do two minutes. I'm not sure how far back in the field they did two minutes. Right. Maybe I think we were 10th on the road going into the last stage. So maybe it was the top, just the top 10. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, obviously the, the top cars already get two-minute windows kind of to start with. That's that's the standard. Yep. You're going into that last stage, which is the same traditional one that it's always been. That little loop on your way back down the highway, right? That north road. Yep. Yep. Been doing it for years. That one's got some pretty dense trees in it. Trees get bigger every year. With no wind, do you honestly think an extra minute would have mattered? I, I don't know. I see, I know exactly what you're talking about. I see both sides of it. I really do. I see where it is from the organizer side Mm -hmm. where it's rally, you know? Yep. You drive to the conditions, right? Exactly. That's always what they say. Whatever Um, is given to you, that's, that's the nature of it. mm -hmm. Let's say a thunderstorm happened to roll through following Brandon Semenik on stage and he had a clear dry stage and Ken had mud. It, that's the nature of it. Yep. Unfortunate that it happened. Ken and Alex really did drive a great rally. So did Brandon. It came down to road position at the end, which how many rallies have been decided by road position? Oh, quite a few. Yeah. So. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and it's interesting because I, yes, there's a lot of dust, but, you know, I hear from also some drivers like, you know, they really like driving at night, let's say, because they drive more to the notes and, you know, they don't have to worry about what's around them. Absolutely. Yeah. And. Of course, you can't really see a corner as well. I mean, you can see a corner with lights, I guess, in the dark versus uh, dust. You can't really see a corner, I guess, quite as well. But at the same time, if you can trust in the notes, you can still be pretty damn quick in dust. <laughs> I, I am actually thinking back to when Brandon Seminuk, actually, it was 100 Acre Wood a year ago, two years ago, I think it was, in 2020, when he did this storming stage that everybody was like, who the hell is this kid? All of a sudden he was like super quick. Yeah. And he blistered the field, you know, just was so much faster on a stage at, at that was super dusty at hundred acre wood. So it can be done, but yeah, I, I, I get the concerns, but also at the same time, you know, there was also the other argument was, well, you kind of pick road position and then 
you get reseeded at the end of day one, going into day two, yep. based on how you finish day one. And if you thought the road position you picked on day one would have been enough to make day two put you in that front position, or maybe you intentionally, I've seen this happen, slow up a little bit, and you know what? We don't want to be first on the road. We want to see the breaking points of that car yep. in front of me. Yep. Well, guess what? Now you kind of screwed yourself when it comes to the dust. Yeah. It's, it's a gamble. And what gets me excited, though, is... We just had an event that competed over 111 miles of fast, flat-out rallying with a lot of attrition, people pushing to the max, and decided by less than a second. I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, the, the, the level of competition in the States right now is something that hasn't been seen in a while. And not just like the, the level that's there among the top three, four if Barry shows up, but the the depth between a lot of classes there's not really anybody just running away with it you know there's good comp- competition throughout mm-hmm. which is great if we can get the fans to start looking at stage times more and not just watching the cars go sideways i think that there's something to be had there i don't i don't know how you can do that because there's never really any service at rallies and stuff like that um for for them to watch that stuff but that's almost more exciting than than, you know, hearing the car and watching it go around the corner. Yeah. You know, if you can sit there and be watching, you know, sneak attack or rally safe and you're like, and you know, you know, the different classes and you can see it's like, ooh, look at how close this is now. But but you won't really know that until unless you know what to watch for, for sure. And you've got. The yeah. Or, or even like the, the live feeds, which a saying that KJ and I had at New England, especially at the awards was hashtag bring back Mike Shaw. Um, oh, we need to bring back Mike Shaw back with, with ARA. But hey, that's not my decision. It's uh, that's for that's for other people to figure out. Um, but I, I will say you are you are missed. Thank you, sir. The the live feeds and, and all of that is just great. I'm not sure if there was live feeds there. I'm sure there was. But I know when I couldn't make it to an event and uh, watching your coverage of stuff was was great. It kept me in the loop. Yeah, I think that the, especially now they have the the better timing tracking and all that stuff. That the thing is, it's hard when you're covering something to also be paying attention to times. You almost need like a producer in your ear to tell you what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that they yeah. they can do split times now too, which is really great. Yes, that's really cool because you can see like especially like okay, Icicle Brook. You know, you have a stage with different characteristics throughout. So, oh, I was slow when it got tight and twisty. I, you know, I picked up speed when it got faster or, or whatever it is. That's really cool to see. So let's talk about the fact that you were the fastest overall for uh, two-wheel drive. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate on how it happened. It's never how anybody wants to win with, with attrition. Eric Potts went out, Seamus Burke went out, Michael Hooper went out, and uh, I was just there to, to capitalize. I mean, it is, it is a, a win, I guess, but it's not... It's not as great, yeah. and I'll, I'll tell you honestly. For for for, I've been I've been rallying for seven years, and I've always like, oh man, you know, someday I'll be at the top step of the podium, and I can't wait. And rally got over. Yep, very happy. We did the champagne spray, got a first place trophy. All of that was great. It didn't feel as good as I thought it would, and I'll tell you, I just I, I wanted to drive more. I wish we had more stages left. I had more fun driving with KJ's notes and everything and, and, and driving to that level, I think then I did winning, you know, it, the wind didn't mean as much as, uh, as how, how f- much fun it was to drive that car. 
Oh, that's and that's good and honest and the win is is kind of more inside you on on what you wanted to accomplish i think right yeah you're still learning that car you still want to push it more I, you're nowhere near the max of what you and that car can do and i'm sure you felt feel like the the awards didn't quite constitute you being able to be at your max yet yeah and and, and kj and i both said like okay there is more here we if you watch videos and stuff i wasn't completely flat through stuff and there was no need to be there was there was no need to take those risks. Were, were you once you kind of realized you were in the lead? Did you kind of back off? We kind of had to. We had engine issues. Oh um, well, that kind of <laughs> solves the problem for you. Yeah. So uh, the last four stages, we had issues. I kept it quiet. I didn't tell a lot of people because I knew that Alex Kuklov was. I think we had like a minute forty six lead on him at one point, and I knew he was he was climbing that back, and, and Alex was driving a great rally. I knew he was climbing that back, but if he found out that I had engine issues, I was worried that he was going to push harder and actually catch me. So I was keeping it quiet that we were having engine issues, and they kept getting worse and worse and worse. As the car would get hot, it would start to cut out. Mm -hmm. Zero power and and cut out, and then I, I learned that a quick cycle of the master, so actually turning the car off and back on, would gain me about a minute of no issues. All us fails, reboot. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. You know, what I remember about some of the Fiestas is the ECU would get too hot. Yeah, yeah. I have, uh, I've, I've heard that, and I've I've already done some changes to combat that. Hopefully they work. We'll see. There's there's only there's only one way to find out. I don't know if it was, because it was, it, it was, you know, hot at Ohio and everything as well. So it's weird that that would just come up at New England. Right. But. We'll we'll see. Well, yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's kind of different because here at uh, Bristol, I guess it's more tight and twisty. Yeah. So you're kind of off throttle, then on throttle, then off throttle, then on throttle. Versus this is more just kind of the flat out. Yeah. So I wonder if there's something different in how maybe air pressures under the hood or something like that. Yeah. You know, with the other transitions, maybe you can get some of that heat out of there. Versus the flat out, it just kind of builds up pressure and none of that heat really escapes because you don't like have the roof vents on that car you should be an engineer <laughs> i've learned a few things being around these you know this sport for a little bit so uh one of those and, and and honestly i can say that uh one of those things that i learned was actually when i was around barry mckenna when he was competing against david higgins and i remember them taking ice packs and putting them on the ecu and taking ice with them actually out on stage oh wow yeah and that's right. They went and bought a bunch of ice, like blue ice or something like that. You know, yep. it was there in New England, come to think of it, wow. where they had, I remember this issue. Yes, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> this was probably 2018, 2019. That, the, you know, obviously when he was running the uh, older Fiesta uh, yep. WRC car. And yes, so the overheating ECU issue, that's where that came to my mind. And there you go. It, it, so it was New England again. Yeah. That uh, was causing that issue. So there you go. Pro tip. I never thought we actually had those instant ice packs in the car. In case KJ and I started to get too hot, we could just break one and then, and then you know, you kind of have an instant cooling there. Mm. So it's a cheap way to, to do that. I could have done that. I Damn it, Mike, where were you? <laughs> I, need to, I need to have you on the set. There we go. <laughs> Still, you know, honestly, I, I would say the fact that you won this one, though, even though attrition was a factor man it, all the years that you put in though it, to me it's kind of like this is kind of acknowledgement of that man you've been a mechanic you've built cars you've rallied cars you know you finally got this car that performs like you'd you know like you want 
now you kind of get to, you know, enjoy that top step of the podium, even though it's a regional, not for the national technically, but yep. uh, I, I still think it's worthy in that respect because you put a lot into the sport. You're still doing it. You're doing stuff with era motorsports right now. You're Indian, Indi- Indianapolis, yep. maybe not rally specific right now because they've got other historic cars, hence era as the name, but I, congratulations. I mean, this is, like I said, I think it's kind of this, acknowledgement of the awesomeness of the stuff you've been putting into the sport and making those relationships. And now it all kinds of comes to fruition for a win. Thank you, Mike. That, that means a lot. Yeah. It has, it has been a, a long journey. And I, I wish I could say like, I always, you know, like I said before, like, Oh, someday I'll be at the top step. But like, I don't know if I ever really thought that could happen on my budget. You know, it was always just kind of a, a dream, but far off. And I was very lucky. I was able to get this car for a good price and, and it needed a little love when I got it, but I've built those skills up to be able to do that. And, uh, when I'm not on the road working on cars, I'm in the garage every single day, pretty much, uh, trying to keep up with, uh, a massive four race schedule. Just that's huge for me is a, is a four race schedule trying to keep up and, you know, go through the gearbox between each race and, and everything. And also, obviously, for everybody in the sport, not just the little guys financially to do it. Um, You can go as fast as your wallet will let you. Mm -hmm. So for me to put everything into it and and get that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty great. Thank you. You're very welcome, man. So what is next on the schedule? You said four race schedule. We've had two this year then, right? Three. Three. I did Southern Ohio. Oh, you did do Southern Ohio. I guess I missed that. Yep. We, yeah, we, we had a DNF, uh, some issues there. But that wasn't with the new car. That was a different car. No, that was with the new car. Oh, it was. Okay. Yep. But we did Southern Ohio. It didn't really go our way. But now uh, next is STPR, which is my home event. So No pressure. Really happy about that. Oh, yeah. No pressure. Zero pressure. <laughs> Zero pressure. <laughs> you have first overall <laughs> two-wheel drive regional at NEFR, and now you're going to your home event. Nope, no pressure at all. I'm hoping that I can I can pull another win off because then I believe that'll put me with enough points to win the East Coast Open Two Wheel Drive Championship. Uh huh. Hopefully, hopefully that that was my goal going into this year was that four race schedule because since they added the Central Region, yep. I can run a four race regional championship. You certainly can, but I can't run it when it's two regions because then. I mean, just the the tow bill, especially with with fuel and everything going on in the world. I I can't afford that. You are currently what is it sixth in the Eastern Regional? And oh, that's overall third. The third and two open two. two yeah, yeah. But but Dan Downey unfortunately is not running STPR. Oh man. Which it does it does suck as much as we love Dan. As much as it is like it works out for me. I do like competing against Dan. Uh, he's he's really fast and great guy you know i like competing against him so it sucks he won't be there but he is getting married so congrats dan oh congratulations dan downey yes we've had him on the show yeah dan's just a great guy you, you can tell he's having so much fun out there and we, we always love you know seeing him Boy, he is quick you're right yeah and i guess that's also the thing is you know you get surround yourself by those fast drivers and it just kind of elevates you doesn't it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely all right, STPR is next on the calendar, and I guess uh, I guess to wrap things up, what are you doing there at Indy, man? What kind of fun stuff are you playing with? Can you give us any deets on uh, some of the cool cars and stuff? Oh, no fun. No fun here in Indy. 
I don't want to speak too much on on the cars just because I'm not sure how much I can talk about you know like what what era has you know I, I'm not sure what they uh, what they keep secretive and and what not so I'm I'm best just not not saying anything but there's a lot of different historic stuff that I'm doing with era and uh, it's really great to be working with Kyle outside of rally as well you know he's a he's a very 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 busy guy and somehow he juggles a lot of things i i couldn't keep up with uh everything he does so i i kind of grasp onto a couple aspects of it and, and help out when i can and it's really neat to be working on a lot of different historic stuff and some of the cars have a lot of history and and to see the changes you know because i've worked on modern you know top level race cars as well and then to see the older stuff and then the stuff from the 90s and the stuff from the 80s and 70s and 60s and it's it's really great it's like uh you know i'm, I'm going to work through a, a time machine it's nice well that, that sounds like a lot of fun yeah i've seen the pictures you go to era's website they show some pictures of some of the cars and or if you go to their facebook page you, know, you get to see some of the stuff and they also contract with some of the the rich guys that have classic cars you there's yep. you know stuff that you guys work on for somebody else under contract and all that and it's because of that skill set maintain these older cars and uh it's just it's just a joy to see those old things out there running it's kind of i'm an airplane guy as well not just a race car guy and it's like seeing like a p51 mustang flying you know these things are meant to be heard and to to see moving not static displays in a museum yeah yeah you know some people don't like that because they think you know they can be crashed and yes that can happen um it happens with some of the you know classic uh, airplanes as well at times, but you don't get that same impact to the public just sitting there. Yeah. You know, there are pieces out there that are museum pieces and those are fine, but the living museums, the things that are actually running, it's a visceral thing. You need to hear it. You need to feel it. You need to see it moving changes everything in your perception of what these vehicles are. Yeah, it it really does. And and now that I I just went on their Facebook, so I can tell you what I can talk about. (laughs) I've I've been working on the the 300ZX there, the IMSA GTO. Oh, the classic IMSA. Wow, those cars were just beasts. Yeah, it's it's great to to work on that. And that's been my baby for the last couple days and until I guess my next project. We'll see when this gets done. But just going through it. Era does a lot of different stuff. So I don't know when that car is going to see a track again but just getting it ready for that that next adventure so that's really cool man well have fun with that it's it's a double header at indianapolis motor speedway this weekend um i'm gonna be watching my indycar stuff uh which is i got to see you out here in the northwest as i said before um huge indycar fan indycar fan hoping my my favorite driver has been joseph newgarden for several years and uh, i hope he gets better after his nasty uh he had a bad accident in Iowa, and uh, hopefully he's doing better and can yeah, yeah. hopefully move himself up in the championship. Always fun to watch those cars go roundy, roundy. Not not quite the same dr- drama that you see with uh, with rallying, but the competition is so close and so good in IndyCar. IndyCar really think there's is a such a better good championship to watch when it comes to just driving. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. So good luck to those guys this weekend, and man, have fun playing with cars and. Good luck at STPR. We'll have to talk to you after that one. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Know what I hate? Big, bulky, underperforming batteries. 
Lighten your load with performance battery from Melee Design Firm. They have time-tested solutions for your race car, rally car, or even your daily commuter. Make sure you check us out at MeleeDesignFirm.com, a proud sponsor of the Open Paddock Rallycast since 2020. And thank you again to our supporters, Oz Rally Pro and Melee Design Firm. A special thanks to you that have donated to the Open Paddock Rallycast. Um, it does help with the increasing costs we've had. And I do plan on doing more messages, uh, more posts of uh, more podcasts here very soon. I, I've had uh, several messages from folks uh, about the Rallycast and apologize that I kind of had a bit of a break from it. But again, uh, I, I do plan on doing more. Thank you again to Derek Johnson Love for all the stuff that he's been doing. Stay tuned for, for more. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And remember, keep it shiny side up. <laughs> Planet Earth has only 359 days left. 